When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, an old friend, Scott Lagrasta. How you doing, dude? Uh, I'm doing all right, all things considered. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's been a while, but before we get to that, uh, this is the part of the podcast that uh, I allow our guest, which is yourself, uh, to talk about yourself, a little intro about where you're from, where you're at, where you're heading, uh, to our listeners and viewers out there. Yeah, sure. So, uh, like Brandon said, I'm Scott. Um, I Yeah, I started in the games industry about 17 years ago. Um, I started in QA at a place called Sammy Studios that would later become High Moon. Um, I did QA there for about a year, uh, moved on to uh, some design work, did uh, audio scripting, level design, tech design for several years. Um, <laughs> went on to, uh, let's see, after that, uh, I went on to 2K, did level design on uh, Bioshock 2, uh, some DLC, uh, you know, the standard, like some other things that never saw the light of day. Um, and uh, yeah, and then it was about that point where I um, I was feeling kind of dissatisfied with uh, where my sort of career path had taken me. Uh, so I switched to programming. <laughs> um, I, I'd been sort of a self-taught hacker for, you know, ever since high school. Um, but uh, after spending so much time in design, um, I realized that wasn't what I really wanted to do. So um, yeah, so I basically did a did a career reboot and started over as a, as a programmer. Um, so then from, uh, I went, I went like indie indie for a while, but really that was just me quitting my job. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, well forcibly quitting as they say, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the studio shut down. Um, <laughs> so, uh, then after that, uh, I, yeah, I kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, I did the sort of, San Francisco, like MMO free to play startup for a little while. Um, I went to try on, and then from there I went to a place called Rogue rocket games that got, uh, like partially acquired or something like that by, um, by Kabam. And then, yeah. And then from there I went to telltale, uh, where I did some build engineering, uh, which was a wild ride. Uh, mm-hmm. like they, they literally like, between like different platforms and all that, they shipped something every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, yeah, and then I uh, went a little crazy and mm-hmm. moved across the world to Sweden to go work at uh, at Massive Entertainment, where I uh, I'm a gameplay programmer right now. Damn, dude, uh, what a journey! <laughs> Just to kind of kind of give <laughs> yeah. you guys some feedback uh, history here. You know, I, I of course met Scott at 2K, uh, work on Bioshock, and uh, let kind of get your face in the tv there but uh yeah i mean one of the biggest meat of the topic i want to discuss with you about is 
you know, we're, we're constantly as developers, um, the ones that are staying relevant, the ones that are not comfortable are the ones that are usually the dangerous people in our industry that I feel are already always secured in their job uh, because they're always looking ahead. Uh, and it actually is kind of weird predicament because a lot of seniors, when they get comfortable, it's because of family or, you know, they spent a good amount of years being through the ringer, basically, where they're like, all right, I need to embrace other parts of my life to find it fulfilling. You want the total opposite <laughs> where you became a programmer, right? Which is like the hardest yeah. job in the industry, I feel. And for artists, it becomes like a, it's like looking at a cross. If I'm a vampire, like it's just a department <laughs> that I routinely avoid. Designers are a little bit, you guys hang out with them more, obviously, but artists are on the far corner uh, away from programs usually. So there's a, a couple of things that you mentioned that I wanted to kind of dive into. Like, were you yeah, part sure. of that whole telltale debacle where it completely shut down as well? Or you oh, left gosh, which that? debacle? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the final one. <laughs> the final nail in the coffin. One. Uh, I was, no, I, I left um, by that point. Um, mm. It was, uh, I left, oh gosh, I'm going to say three or four months before, um, before that. Before that happened. All right. So you were there with the remnants. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, they, yeah. Um, the writing was really on the wall. Um, you know, yeah. they, um, I, I forget the exact, I don't remember all the drama cause I, I try and like, you know, I, I try and step back from that as much as I can. Um, and mm-hmm. just focus on, you know, the work, what's important, you know, be, being good to the people around me and, and helping them out and getting the game done and doing a good job and all that. But, um, yeah, they brought in, I remember when they brought in a guy, uh, somebody who was like a former Zynga bigwig. Yeah, um, yeah, and like me and like everyone else when we in, in build when we when we heard about that we kind of looked at each other and we're like oh okay so <laughs> so we better start looking <laughs> i had already been looking actually um because uh it, it was it was it was a rough job like i said uh i was in build engineering and so um the it, they literally between like you know they, they shipped on like every platform there was like every phone mm-hmm. a bunch of old Jeez. like Android Fire phones, or sorry, Amazon Fire phones that aren't around anymore. Like they wanted to to stay really relevant to all those smaller devices, which is cool, and a lot of people appreciated that. But it made it really hard for people in build. You know, when you have fifteen different platforms and you're shipping, you know, an episode every couple of weeks uh, plus patches, um, there literally was an average of something going out every day. Um, to say nothing of like just the regular fires that happen in the normal course of game development. Um, so that was stressful. And I'd, I'd been looking. Um, I you know I'd been shopping around like Amazon and Unity and um, um you know nothing nothing really stuck um but uh yeah i sort of had this conversation with with my wife who's like very adventurous and you know this was in uh 2016 and uh i think we all know what happened in 2016 um that made people want to leave the country um so uh yeah my wife was basically like like oh my gosh can we just like go to europe or something and, you know, I was like, yeah, we, we can. Like I, you know, at that point it had been the industry for, you know, 12 or 13 years. Like I knew people all over. And so, um, I kind of put out some feelers, um, to see who was, uh, who was available and who was looking and, um, uh, yeah, I ended up at massive of course, but, um, I got interviews at, uh, you know, some places in like London, a couple other, um, you know, sort of European locales. Um, and, uh, like you mentioned, like people being able to be able to find sort of like, Oh, they find their niche and they kind of get into it and, and stick with it. Um, 
I don't really have that option. Um, because I've got such a weird trajectory, like I need to find a studio that needs me. Like I can't, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a great programmer. I mean, I'm, I'm totally competent and anybody, you know, if you're looking at this in the future, wondering if you should hire me, you absolutely should. Um, but like, um, it is, is I, I haven't, I've been in the industry for a long time, but I haven't spent all that time in engineering. I've spent all that time developing games, but I've not spent all that time programming games. So when I roll up to a studio for an interview, they're like, okay, we're going to hit you with the standard programmer stuff. And then I, you know, I do pretty all right on that. Um, but, uh, but if they start hitting me really hard with like, you know, really complex rendering questions or, or things like that, um, or like really deep down system level stuff. And I start to falter and I'm very honest about that upfront where it's like, Hey, look, do you need somebody who is, you know, who can, who can speak to designers, who can speak to artists, who has done, you know, I've done all that. I haven't done art, but I've done like, you know, design, I've done a little bit of writing. Like I've done a bit of everything. And so I know, I know how to, to speak to these people. And I know how they want to be treated. And I know like, you know, if you give me a feature, then I can, I can handle it a little better than somebody who doesn't have that design experience because I can sort of switch over to my design brain and say, okay, if I was working on this, what would I want from the programmer? And I can kind of close those loops a bit faster. Um, and some studios see the value in that and, and some don't, and some have a need for somebody like me and, uh, and some don't. So, um, I can't just, you know, I've, <laughs> my connections have gotten me interviews at a lot of like really cool places. Um, like, you know, like Epic and Bungie and all like, you know, the, the hot places that people want to go. But, um, you know, but if they're, if they're very like, you know, um, if, if they don't have a particular need for somebody like me, then they're like, oh, wow, you, you're really cool. Like, we'd like to find a place for you. We don't really have anything yet. And I just have to like, you know, accept that and, and move on. Like that is, that's just how my career has gone. Like I don't have a CS degree. I'm, you know, largely self-taught. Um, so I just gotta look for a place that needs it, just the right kind of weirdo, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, as long as I know you, you've definitely been a, a certain type of weirdo. Like design, <laughs> <laughs> the design group is a thanks. It's a niche. <laughs> well, I, I, with with the uh, with you know with confidence, no, no, right? Yeah. So design like has their. You guys have your group, right? And then the artists yeah. have their niche. And you now being the crossover, it definitely helps. Um, to kind of speak to each other because usually we're for the artists that we're used to having a technical artist mm-hmm. to kind of be that in between to two programmers designers don't really you guys talk directly to them a lot and I've always assumed that you guys had a all right conversation <laughs> but I guess it is like two separate minds where it's like yeah, one is very does, creative and one's very like by the numbers right yeah. And it does vary from like studio to studio. Like I have been like, you know, at, at, when we were working on bio two, like I feel like we had a really good relationship with the other programmers there. Like yeah. they were all great people. A lot of them really helped me in, in my transition to, to engineering. And like, yeah, I, I you know, I'm still in contact with them and consider them friends. And then I have worked at other studios where like, they're like on my do not hire list. Like if I see that mm-hmm. person's resume come across, like, you know, somebody's desk or whatever, I'm like, maybe you should not hire that person there. Yeah super rude like you know maybe they're really talented and maybe they're uh, technically competent but like i i'm too old for this man i don't have the patience for like people who are like who like are rude or browbeat others or demean others just because they think it makes them better like i no like miss me with that totally <laughs> yeah i mean i think everybody who's been through this uh have basically a list that they uh, <laughs> that they keep up with um but i i, I also kind of am drawn to what you said before, like, you know, you kind of being 
sequentially in the Bay Area a lot, like a lot of those companies for a good period just shut down once, you know, one after another. And just trying to be a developer in that area for a while just felt very disheartening and um, can really burn someone out unless you focus on, you know, getting the work done and moving on. Uh, Everything else become a distraction. And it's a lot that I try to convey to listeners a lot to you know, I went through that period, you know, just <laughs> office politics and all that stuff. And yeah. Yeah, it definitely wears you down. And by the end of it, it, it serves no purpose, you know, uh, for, for yourself. So uh, a couple of things that you kind of pointed out, like, I didn't know that you had a tech art background before going to designs. I just assumed that you've always been a designer. So, th- so was the design was more about you wanting that the creative control over the game that you put out and then going back, figuring out you know, what happened there where you felt design wasn't fulfilling enough. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, I mean, it's, it's unique at least like my career path, like the first, you know, sort of, sort of 10 years or so where I did design work that was really largely influenced by a single conversation early in my career. And it's oh. really wild to think about that now um, where it was just a series of sort of two chance meetings where um, I had, you know, I, I just started in QA, um, and I was like, all right, I'm, you know, this is, again, this is like 2004 or whatever, when, you know, that was, uh, you know, a pretty viable path into the industry still. Um, but I was like, all right, I'm in, I, I got my foot in the door. I'm going to move up now. How do I do that? And I was, I was of two minds. I was like, okay, well, I like the design seems really interesting. Like that seems where like the fun is where you really define what the game is about. But I love like, you know, the engineering puzzles and like those sort of really unique challenges, um, you know, like. It's, I like to say it's like detective work, but you might not realize that you're also the person who committed the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sitting there like, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, um, and somebody came up to me and it turned out it was, I forget his, his exact position, but he was some like big wig in the programming, you know, uh, department there. And I was like, oh, hey, cool. Like, I'd really like to know, you know, what's, what's my path to being a programmer here? And he said, oh, well, you know, where's your degree from? And I was like, I, I don't have a CS degree. And he just shook his head and was like, if you don't have a CS degree, you're not going to be a programmer. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, all right, well, that sucks. And so I was kind of bummed out about that. And then, you know, a couple of days later, um, uh, one of the lead designers came around and we had a conversation and it was totally the opposite where he was just like, he's like, yeah, like, you know, we'll like, let me know what you're interested in. We'll get you on the design track. You know, we love moving people up. It'll be great. Like, you know, just, you know, put your time in in QA and, uh, and learn the ropes and, uh, and yeah, we'll see if we can find some work for you. And he absolutely did. Like, you know, like I said, 10, 11 months later, he was my boss. Um, so just those two, like, like, you know, it, you sort of see the, like, you look, you like look down the, the, you know, the road that diverges in the yellow wood and you see one way that you go and then the other way you could have gone. And so when I hit the point, um, uh, after shipping bio two, um, uh, we were, I think a lot of people were really, um, uh, sort of in this like fugue state, like we didn't quite know what was coming next. Um, and we didn't know if we wanted to be there and we gelled really well as a team, the design team, like that, that were some of the most brilliant designers I've worked with were, you know, were, uh, were part of the Bioshock 2 design team. And you just need to look at like what they went on to do to see how true that is. But, um, but nothing interesting was coming along. And so all the really like, you know, the, these like really sharp people that, um, we had gelled together as a team started just dropping off and leaving. 
And so we hired replacements and, you know, they, they were like, they were good people too. Like they were, you know, they were competent and they were nice and I have nothing bad to say about them, but they just were not motivated by the same uh, feature sets that like they hired for when they were hiring for bio two, like when they were hiring for bio two, they wanted very systems driven people who were really like, you know, sort of interested in, in pushing what, um, what you could do with sort of narrative and games and that sort of thing. And then when we were hiring up for the subsequent project, XCOM, um, or I should say the Bureau, I guess, when we were hiring up for that, like we knew the games would be different. And so we hired a different set of people and they weren't people who were interested in systemic gameplay. Um, And, you know, and so I feel like when we hit that point, like I felt a little, a little aimless and, um, I had been throwing myself into my indie work a lot because I, I realized, you know, that the, the game that I've been working on sort of like to teach myself unity and, and, uh, sort of make a little side project, um, was really, really what was keeping me going. Um, and when I thought about the problems I enjoyed solving the most on it, it was the programming problems. Um, it was like, you know, it's just like the weird vector math and these weird transformations and like, Oh, can I make the shader do this? Like those sorts of things were what I was really gravitating towards. The design was kind of suffering as a result. And like, as proud as I am of having shipped that game, like it's not a super well-designed game. And I'll admit that. Um, but I, I, you know, I love it. Um, and so, uh, I, yeah, like I said, I thought about the, the problems that I enjoyed solving and I thought, I would have the conversation again with somebody else and be like, okay, like, sure. I don't have a CS degree, but like, it's just knowledge, right? Like you can get that. Like, so I went and talked to uh, one of the, one of the programmers there at a at 2k at the time and basically recounted sort of this, this story about like, oh yeah, this guy told me I'd never, never you know, be a programmer because I didn't have a CS degree. And he just kind of like shrugged and shook his head and he was like, just learn the stuff. Like nobody cares where you got your degree from. The important thing is the knowledge. Says a um, Leon. <laughs> yeah, and, and no, actually, it was uh, it was Olaf. Olaf. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Olaf. Yeah, Olaf. Just do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and so, sort of spurred on by that, like him and uh, him and uh, Mark Fletcher, like they definitely really, uh, really helped me along by you know giving me book recommendations and showing me what I needed to know because there was so much stuff I didn't know I needed to know, and you know the, all these these huge gaps that I that um, I had because I didn't have that formal education. Like I had a very practical self-taught, like I'm going to learn this because I need to know it for the thing I'm working on, um, which, you know, gets things done, but it doesn't give you a strong foundation for, uh, you know, being part of a team, uh, that people can, you know, somebody who can make code that people can read, uh, and it's like, you know, stable and reliable and debuggable easily and uh, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, once I, once I filled in those gaps, um, I was, I was able to, to make the jump. There's several layers to that. First of all, uh, we're going to find that first programmer <laughs> that like threw you off the scent uh, from your true <laughs> calling. Uh, I mean, he's he's either like super wise or like it doesn't matter what I say if you really want to pursue it, which, you know, you need to be if you want to be a programmer, you're going to re- disregard what I say. Right. Or he was just being a hole for job security sake. It's like, no, I don't want to oh, spend I, I like, the time. I like, the with this I, I like to think it was this, this like long game reverse psychology. Like he's stroking his beard, like maybe in 10 years he will thank me. Yeah. My experience with programmers, it's, it's more like the latter. <laughs> They're like just super, you know, yeah. like, bro- brute yeah, force honesty. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, yeah. you can't do it. Get out, get away. <laughs> um, uh, second part of that, like, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what development, game development is, 
And what I like about this industry, it's still very uh, knowledge base uh, rather than degrees. And it's yeah. still true for every discipline, even programmers. Uh, I think besides maybe mobile industry where they have like straight up statisticians <laughs> analyzing data every day, uh, who needs to be that these Ivy League schools, uh, other parts of the industry don't need that. And it's all about, can you do the work? Uh, I do agree with you. You know, there are some great, uh, I mean, you got that indirectly, right? By being surrounded by established programmers. You know, that that yeah, is one absolutely. thing at, at school. It, it does provide like like-minded people before getting in the industry. You kind of looked up because you were already a professional industry in design <laughs> and you just had access. Um, but I, I, I do, <laughs> you kind of brought back memories. Yeah, there was a weird period uh, after Bioshock 2. On the artist side, I uh, felt the same thing, man. A lot of my circles were disappearing or moving on. And yeah. I felt like I was being left behind a bit. And this, this new crew, super green, didn't understand the history <laughs> that yeah. we went through. And, and so I got a little jaded as well. Um, and knew that you know uh, I had to leave uh, because because of that reason because it's it's just weird right when when your old friends are gone yeah. and now you get to make new friends and I don't want to make new friends right uh, and I also agree that first crew the OG crew was like everyone was legit right it was top yeah. dollar it was it was uh, tandem to how the industry uh, well not the industry the company itself was set up for success. Right. And then yeah. we were like a premier studio and then it kind of faltered uh, after yeah. Bioshock a bit. And everyone felt that, which is fine. But it's one of those periods that, you know, being older and, and wiser, hopefully, I would have just <laughs> told myself to just focus on the work. And like you said, if you're unsatisfied, you should leave. And it's something that Ray actually told me early in my career. It's like, if you don't like something, just leave. <laughs> just go somewhere else. Um, don't hold on to false hope of changing the industry for the better or changing the the company for the better, right? That was, that was definitely a younger <laughs> attitude that I've learned in the, the hard way. It's like, yeah, you can't pay attention to any of that stuff because... We're there to make games soon. We don't have any control, even at elite level. You have very little control. Yeah. Um, what's impressive is that you were able to reset. I mean, uh, I would love to kind of hear your, your thinking process. You know, you were mentioning how it, it led up to that. You were kind of discovering and you had help from your colleagues in the programming department to kind of lead you to shortcut your education a bit mm -hmm. to, to books and, and knowledge that actually are useful. You don't have to go through the crap. Um, like how difficult was it? Uh, was it a necessary step for you go to go indie to practice all this stuff to kind of, wow. <laughs> okay. Because I, I always imagine for, for developers when they're working at a studio, um, especially if they want a promotion, or uh, uh, which is <laughs> supposed to be a lot easier than actual like a whole discipline jump, right? From design a program, like within a studio, that's very hard, I, I would imagine. And I've seen uh, for people to talk to an old employer, like, hey, I'm actually want to be a programmer now. It's like, well, we, we didn't hire you for that. Just go back to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what see? happened. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they, there's definitely the saying like you sort of you have to move out to move up, right? Like yeah. your current employer 
it, they may not they may not promote you. Like if you are really super hungry for that promotion and you're not getting results from within, you've got to you've got to go somewhere else. Like and it's unfortunate because it, you know, like you said, like it's it's tough to like make new friends and like your coworkers. The game industry is so like so small and so tight, and you spend, you know, it, it's a you, you sort of go through this sort of creative process together. Um, like you become friends, like whether you like it or not. Um, and so. Um, yeah, like when we, when I was at 2k, like I tried approaching, um, yeah, I tried talking to, I forget exactly who it was, but like, I tried talking to like, you know, sort of upper level people and being like, look, I like, I know I'm a designer, but I got more to offer. Like, like what's, what's my path for that? Like, and they were just a hundred percent. Nope. Stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> and I think, I mean, 2k was a, you know, sort of large is, was the, it was a large company. Like the studio yeah. was big and they basically didn't have time for my little flights of fancy, which to be fair, like if they had moved me to programming, like, yeah, that would have been basically losing a, well, I thought I was a senior level designer, but I was just a mid-level designer. <laughs> um, uh, um, well, they would have been losing a designer and, and gaining like a junior programmer, which, you know, is not really a great trade when you're looking at just sort of the, the dollars and cents of it. Um, so yeah, like I absolutely had to had to move out to make that change. I, there is there is no way that's happening within. I mean, to to be fair, when we were working on the the last DLC for the bureau, um, I I did again like Mark Fletcher was was there like to to help me. Um, he actually let me do some do some code stuff, and I think I might have even submitted some stuff to the to the some code to the depot uh, before I, uh, they shut it all down. But um, uh. Yeah, what really what really made the difference was um, again I, I was able to find a place that just happened to be looking for somebody like me. Like, so I had been indie for like six months or, th- or something like that, um, and uh, it basically came down that I like okay, like I need to get serious about this and get get another job again because my game was not going to be done uh, in, in that amount of time. So uh, I started reaching out to, to friends and, and contacts and seeing like okay, like what's available, and um, and then uh, I don't know if you remember Martin. Um, yeah. he, uh, um, he was working at Tryon at the time and he was like, Hey, uh, we got a small team here. Um, we need either a designer or a programmer. And I was like, check. Uh, so, um, so I went there and interviewed, uh, and the interview went well enough. Um, and they were basically willing to hire me sort of on a provisional, like, you know, this is a hybrid role kind of thing. Like we will be giving you design tasks and we will be giving you programming tasks. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm just, you know, again, I'm just trying to get my foot back in the door now. Um, and so, yeah. So like for the first couple of weeks I was there, they were giving me like, you know, mostly design tasks and then, excuse me, mostly design tasks. And then, uh, um, a couple programming tasks here and there, but then they, you know, they, saw that I could actually do the programming stuff and that I was, you know, willing to learn and ask the hard questions and get the stuff done. Um, and I, I was finishing everything they were throwing at me because the design stuff was all like pretty, pretty easy stuff. And the, the code stuff was, you know, not too complicated either. So I was churning through stuff and they were like, okay, great. Like, so dial up the code tasks. And so I started getting more and more programming tasks and fewer design tasks until eventually I was doing totally programming work. Um, you know, my title was always programmer, but, um, but it wasn't until I'd been there for like, you know, a month or two that I was actually doing like hundred percent programming work. Hey guys, let's take a break and have a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by app figures. App figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may already know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now app figures can help you track competitors from how many downloads they're getting and how much money they're making to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. 
Their competitor, Intelligent, gives you great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With app figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Got a great idea for an app or a game? With app figures, you can figure out how big the market is and how much money you could be making with it. And that's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, app figures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a large budget or a data science degree to do this kind of stuff anymore. AppFigures has made it affordable and simple. On top of tools, AppFigures also provides a lot of guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. They just released a free guide on that, actually. So head over to AppFigures.com, A-P-P-F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com forward slash on, O-N forward slash game dev unchained to try app figures for free. If you like it, then use our special code GDU3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. You're welcome. Yeah, I've always admired and liked the fact uh, uh, people learning on the job because I think it is the best education. You're going to yeah. paid to learn and you're being <laughs> surrounded by practical, uh, you know, top talent uh on the cusp of technology and what's being there, because usually in what, what goes through a classroom later is usually outdated by the time it, students learn it. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's great that you were able to kind of get back in the foot. I mean, that, that story alone is very rare. Like the, 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 <laughs> because most people were like, I'll just get a design job just to get my foot back in the door. But you saw it as an opportunity to kind of like, you know, a lot of it has to do with luck. A lot of it has to do with timing, but a lot of it, has to do with your patience to kind of stick to your guns a bit. Um, because a lot of that, I feel senior developers tend to not play around with that. You were talking about how 2K kind of pinch in and hold a lot of people. Not just that, but like most publishers, when you get to a senior level, you're very specialized. And even if you remain as a designer, you could become like a very particular designer on a very particular game for the next five, yeah. 10 years of your life. And then you kind of find yourself outdated as soon as you venture outwards, unless, you know, yeah. another job is looking to do the exact same thing, um, which I see is a very pending problem for a lot of developers who who aren't not fortunate enough to stay at a company five plus years right uh 2k yeah. was funny because you were there for a long time which is a longer lifespan yeah. for a developer like over eight years or something right 10 years uh yeah i mean i, I was really fortunate that my first my the first two studios i worked at i was at each of them for five years damn um but then after that it was it was it was like one year one year three months yeah a year and 10 or a year and two months something like that like it was just like yeah, I mean, you you definitely uh, like it's like you're saying, like the Bay Area, like you get put through the ring, or even like California in general. Um, California, I, mean, I can't. Speak, this probably it probably happens elsewhere too, but like it is, I, I can't speak to what happens elsewhere. But um, yeah, in California, it's it's the ringer, like because there are so many studios, like you're you're just treated as disposable. Um, yep. And so they're like, well, we'll f- we'll find somebody else. Like you'll find it. We we don't need to feel guilty about firing you because you'll find another job. There's a billion studios out here. You just got to pick one. Uh, I know so. that uh, that layoff talk. I've been laid yeah. off once, and wow, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was enough to change my life forever. <laughs> that one time oh, was is, enough. Is that, what, is that why you started doing this? This one started uh, actually when I was at Sledgehammer working on COD, and oh, okay. it was near the end. And uh, I, I've talked to the about this many times on the podcast, but I'll tell you, it was. 
probably the same feeling that you were feeling when you were about switching careers, right? Um, it was when we shipped the game and I sat there and I didn't feel anything. You know, the, mm. the lure of AAA and shipping a game have always been there since Bioshock 2. It's like, look at that. Looking in the store, I can check in the GameStop. I, I can look at Amazon and, and see it there. Yeah. But for some reason, that feeling completely changed. And that was the biggest game of the year. I mean, it was yeah, like sure. COD, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't feel anything. Um, mm. And I, I really sat down to kind of question where my career path was going because... You know, it was going to a trajectory. I was a senior over there and it's like, I know I'm going to eventually become lead or become an art director if I keep going this path. But I had to kind of pump the brakes there to kind of figure out why did I feel nothing for a project that I spent three years. It wasn't anything with a studio or anything. Overall, the experience was great. There was no delay. Like if you, I always recommend anybody to go through Activision. Well, Maybe that's not true because Sledgehammer was a special case. There were three studios working on CODs, right? Treyarch and Infinity Ward. And we had a peek inside of what those other two studios and how they work. Complete cl- uh, clusterfuck, right? <laughs> they were always barely making it to green line meetings. You know, it it was as if just imagining what a two-year sprint game looks like that has to be out mm-hmm. in two years, right? It's like exactly that with like hundreds of people work on it. It's going to be a clusterfuck. Yeah. But for Sledgehammer, uh, that team in particular was on point, man. Green light meeting, we were like on time, ahead of schedule. I didn't have to crunch that much or really at all. Um, so it was nothing about the office or the project. It was fun. But I think I was just done by that point with what AAA was. And um, maybe at some point I will sit down and then really figure that out. But I knew that I needed to see like other parts of the industry, which is what the exploring was. And you know, what you were talking about, like a lot of one years, a couple months, two years in mobile and indie at double a studios. Right. It's like, all right. <laughs> a lot of it I was seeking was creative control. Uh, mm-hmm. Because what I was saying before is like, you know, when you come more senior and you move to lead, you get very specialized. I wanted to do other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to making a game, right? I want to understand how design works. I wanted to discover other parts that makes me feel a little bit more whole as a game developer, not just a environment guy, right? So I was looking at that through Double A and all this stuff. But um, again, this is just a little, <laughs> a little catch up because we haven't seen each other for years, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I'm I'm completely working for myself. I run my own awesome. studio. Um, and a lot of that was because it, it, it started with that layoffs, like that layoff made me like freak out about, uh, having a single source of income, which is the primary job after that layoff. I basically start teaching on the side for like five years mm-hmm. straight, like at the Bay area, uh, schools, all the art Institute basically over there, the expression college up in the Bay area. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of art institute down here in LA. So I was teaching uh, like three days a week aside from working full time. But that, that, that it's a weird, like uh, what, what is that? What is that called when you go through that journey? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I keep thinking Dante's Inferno, but that's not it. But you go through <laughs> like, like a hero's journey kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you go through a trial and uh, like a, the, yeah, your darkest hour and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what uh, it starts with a layoff. Like I, I feel like most game developers yeah. don't become game developers after their first layoff. 
yeah, to get a full really like, grasp of the industry. It, it's super, it really sucks to, to be laid off, but like every layoff has pushed me to something better. Like exactly. by necessity, because like, it's like, it's so easy to get, well, it's not easy to get comfortable with. Like if you do have a job, if you're fortunate enough to get one where the turnover rate isn't super high, you, it's really easy to get comfortable and just like, just, you know, just sit down and do your job day in and day out and not really think about what motivated you to get there in the, in the first place and just be like, yep, today I push button. I'll push button again tomorrow. It'll be fine. Um, but then you get fired and it's this, it's this shakeup that you have no choice over and that you're like, okay, well, I need to, I need to reevaluate what, what I want out of it. Um, you know, just, just like you did. And I, I feel like I, I definitely had that similar, like, am I really going to do this change moment? Um, when, uh, when I, when I decided to stop going Indian, I went into engineering. Like as I was talking to Tryon, I had another studio that wanted me to be like a technical director of design for some, for some project. And I was like, Oh man, like tech director, that's, that's, that's control. Like, you know, I get, yeah. it's like you're saying, like, that's what I want. I really want to have sort of an impact on things and, and have my, my sort of, my, my sort of brain, like imprinting on the, on the games that are out there. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that like the kind of stuff I want to make is not going to sell. Like it's just weird stuff I want to sell to my friends or not even sell it. I just want to like experience and get people to, you know, experience a little glimpse of my weird brain. And so I realized that I was, I didn't think I was ever going to be satisfied as a designer because, you know, if you're working at a company, you need to make money. And my ideas, I didn't think were going to make money. So I was like, well, then I might as well give up all creative control and, and do more programming. And then if I get a creative urge, I can, you know, I can just do it on my own. Like I'll have, especially with the, you know, uh, the programming skills I've had more of a chance to cultivate now, I can work on my own stuff, you know, more faster and easily than I could before. So it really, it really does scratch both the itches. But if I hadn't really sat down and had that reckoning, um, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what I'd be doing right now? (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of us, when we, um, go through this, leaving a footprint is very important. Um, and I felt that with every project, like the big projects, I, I cloud comes out every year, even if I die, right. Has no impact. (laughs) (laughs) And if you ever want to feel like, uh, small, just work at a AAA company. It's, it it really is like that. (laughs) Uh, at least for me, when I went to, you know, work on smaller projects, even as simple as putting out a podcast, it just felt like, ah, this is my contribution to the world. This will live on. It has my name all over it. It sounds narcissistic, but really it's like, if you live every day, not contributing anything, (laughs) what's the point? (laughs) You're just one of the, 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 the workload. Right. Um, but I would love to kind of hear your, your, your question. So like you, I spent all my career in, in California. It sounds like you spent a bulk of it there. This move, uh, being married. Um, now everything's cool. Now you can move back if you ever consider <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> everything's cool now, uh, except for the pandemic. But like, uh, talk about that, man. Like I've always, yeah. I've always marveled at the idea of like our job is really cool where we can technically pick up and leave and and work at a really uh respectable company and doing what we do uh maybe apart from a little language barrier but everything should be good i've always kind of was attracted to that but never did it right so you actually did it you're over in sweden at an awesome company um can you kind of kind of talk us through the months leading up to that and finally make this in were, were there any reservation but at all about well, yeah changing I mean, yeah absolutely um 
uh, I mean, because so much of it is, is unknown and even, you know, like it's the whole thing about known knowns and unknown unknowns or known unknowns. I forget, but like, <laughs> like there are so many things we didn't even know what we didn't know. And you sort of just have to take a lot of it on faith, um, that it's going to be all right. Um, which is, you know, which is wild. And, um, I think the only there, I think there are two, two big things that really made me like, you know, decide that it was, that it was the thing that, that it was, was right for my family, which was, um, one, which is kind of a silly thing, but, uh, I'm working at massive now. And I actually had worked at massive back in 2008, uh, high moon sent me out there to uh, help out with world and conflict back when they were both owned by Activision. Um, and so, uh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Activision. It was, um, I think it was, they were still owned by Vivendi at the time, I believe. Um, anyway, sibling studios. Um, and so I had been out there and, uh, some of the people that I had met in my first time there 10 years ago, uh, like are still working here right now, um, which is pretty amazing. And so like seeing that sort of stability was, was very encouraging. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm actually not a very like adventurous person. Like traveling is not my jam. Um, but, uh, I had spent three months here, like I said, back in 2008. Um, so I had some familiarity with it and I was like, okay, like I, I was there for three months. I feel like I could, you know, do that for a little while. Um, but, uh, the, I think like the, the biggest thing was, um, was my wife, like, like I said, she's really adventurous and is up for anything. Uh, and so, when, when I, you know, when we sat down and I was like, no, seriously, I can get us to Europe. Do you want to go there? And she was like, yes. <laughs> um, because we, uh, we'd been living in the Bay area. Like I was still living up in, up in the Bay area, uh, um, after, after 2k and after telltale and all that. Um, and, uh, we were trying, we were really having a go at like making a life there. Um, uh, I have a son, he's, He's six now. Um, he was three at the time. Um, and so we were like, we were really trying to, to, you know, to put down roots there. And we, we really wanted to buy a house and, and just like live out the rest of our lives there. Cause like, like I was talking about, there's plenty of game studios there. Like all I, you know, I was able to assure my wife that I was, I was always going to find a job. I'd been working you know, in the industry for, you know, uh, 13 years at that point or whatever. Um, so I knew I could find something in the area. It might be a really rough commute. Like my, you know, peak down to Silicon Valley was like, you know, two hours or three hours each way, uh, at one point. Um, but, uh, but we just, we just couldn't, we couldn't afford a house. Like we would go in there with like, just everything we could do just to scrape together enough to get, uh, you know, to, to find a house that had, you know, uh, just a couple of rooms and, um, and, you know, wasn't next to, you know, a, a, an active tire fire or anything like that. Um, and we just couldn't like people would come in with just briefcases full of money for all cash offers that were less than our offers and just getting the houses. And so we just got so frustrated with that. And we just, we just felt like that, um, that the Bay area didn't want us there anymore. It was just, there was every time we tried to try to put down more roots. Um, it just, it just kept pushing them back up. Um, and I mean, part of the reason I got into programming in addition to all the, you know, creative control, uh, the, not the creative control rather, but the, um, uh, uh, but the sort of more satisfying aspect of it was that it was going to be a pay bump. Like I knew it was going to be a pay increase and I thought that would make a difference and it did, but not enough. Um, I mean, like people have this, this image of like, like I go down, like when I go down to like LA or whatever, or like, you know, or San Diego or whatever, and 
I go, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a programmer. I work up in, in San Francisco. The people are like, oh, how many Teslas do you have? It's like, oh, dude, I work in games. Like, you know, I don't make I don't make Facebook dollars. I don't make you know Twitter dollars or whatever. Like, I make game industry dollars. And um, even yeah, my wife had had a full time job that paid fine. Um, we just couldn't make it there. And so um, yeah, we were just we were fed up with it, and we were like, let's go have an adventure. And that's basically how it happened. Yeah, man. That's uh, what's funny is that a lot of the things that you're talking about <laughs> was a true for me too, because I, I think I went up there. I, I gave the Bay area two chances, right? <laughs> so 2k was the first chance. I I'm, I'm originally from Southern California. So San Francisco, that was my first real job and really living away from my comfort. Right. And I liked it at first. I mean, Marin County is a little different than San Francisco. Uh, and then the second time was in uh, Sledgehammer, which is in Foster City, the other side, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Bay Area has never been a place f- for me to kind of set roots because of the reasons you just said. Like yeah. the prices were getting crazy. Now it's now everyone's leaving. So if there ever was a time to go back. Um, but that kind of brings me to the point of uh, the pandemic, right? The pandemic, if anything, has alerted me about if I've made the right decisions up to this point or telling me I need to make some changes. I think everybody's kind of going through that. Uh, I mentioned yeah. it a few times already, you know, relationship pe- with the people you're with, like, do you want to be with that person? <laughs> and then uh, your house, you know, is your house pimped out enough where you're okay with staying home all the time? Uh, and then of course, or what we're talking about career related, like I've been, uh, blessed enough to kind of make these decisions knowing, not knowing about the pandemic, but knowing that it was going to culminate to a, a time and place where I'm going to have to face my my decisions, uh, whether I'm going to be happy with it or not. Um, you being overseas in Sweden, like Sweden alone, I heard you guys been dealing with this all right, right? How, how's that? No, no, man. No, it's- not at all. Pretty bad. <laughs> See, yeah, I always well, get you guys mixed up over there. So, what's the deal? <laughs> no, I, I did, I did, I did that too before I moved over here. Like, <laughs> I, I remember when I when I was flying over here in two thousand eight, I was like on the plane going, "Is Swedish a language, or am I thinking of something else?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it turns out it is a language. Um, but uh, um, yeah, no, the pandemic is like we we're not doing great. The only reason that we uh, are doing well at all, in my opinion, I, as, as someone who is not an epidemiologist or anything like that, um, is that we have a really low pop- population density. Um, right. Like up until, up until like three or four weeks ago, like I didn't see masks. Like, uh, you know, oh, wow. I would, I would cruise by like, you know, we actually, part of the reason we bought a car uh, this past summer was because the pandemic was, it was heating up and we were like, I've been taking public transit to work and I was like, I don't want to get on a bus. Like yeah. it's crazy. And so now like I'll be, you know, driving my son to send to school and I'll look over and see a bus that's just packed full of people and like no masks. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Um, but uh, by and large it, it works. I mean, it, it is, it is going okay. Yeah. Um, because uh, a lot of companies are taking it seriously. Like um, uh, a lot of companies have like complete, like hundred percent work from home orders, that sort of thing. Um, and so, uh, I think like, yeah, between that and the population density, like it, that's really what matters. Um, because, you know, I live, uh, the city I live in is like the 12th most populated city in, in Sweden. And it's something, it's like some ridiculously small number of people. It's like, yeah, it's, it, it's tiny. Um, but, uh, and if you get like, 
like so so sweden a little geography lesson sweden is slightly larger than california so if you're familiar with california imagine that like there was like san diego and then san francisco and then literally everything above that was like the population density above that is like half a person a kilometer basically Mm -hmm. it is really 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 sparse up there um like stockholm is like the most dense of course um being the capital but um but like yeah they like so malmo where um uh, where massive is and stockholm are about as far apart as san diego and uh, san francisco are oh wow yeah so uh yeah so it's but it is excuse me it is like so so spread out that that um that you just have a lower risk of contacting somebody who, who, uh, who has it, um, compared to, you know, basically almost anywhere in the States. Mm-hmm. So is it mostly the attitude, not, not, not all the people taking it seriously up to a few weeks ago? Like what I'm, I'm still, yeah. uh, it's alarming to hear that no one really, it's been going on for eight months until yeah, the I last mean, three weeks. Well, the, yeah. I mean, the thing is that like, um, like sort of like in America, the Swedish people have like, they really enjoy their civil liberties um like there are there are a lot of, they're really strongly protected here like there's this there's this awesome thing i'm gonna any swedes watching this you're gonna laugh at my pronunciation but it's uh it's like almensrecht which is like every person's right and that means that you can just go anywhere like there are some places that are like restricted for like safety reasons but like you don't have the thing in america where you have like an idea of like private property that somebody can't come into like if i have if I have a house and I have a yard, somebody can legally cross through my yard and it's okay. Like you can go into the forest and pick mushrooms. That's totally legal. Like that's allowed because they believe that the country belongs to everybody. And they really like, they, they really put it into action. Like there are laws that you can't, you can't harvest something, somebody else has planted. Like, but if you find it growing wild in the, in, even on somebody's property, you can take it as long as it's not grown intentionally by them. Um, so there is a lot of things like that where, the government can issue recommendations, but it doesn't have as much, it, it, it can't, as far as I understand it, they can't do a lot of like, no, you are, you cannot leave your home and you must wear a mask. Like, I don't know if, if they, if the government has the authority to, to enforce that or not. Um, they are trying to, last I heard, they're trying to sort of, you know, like change that so that they can put more safety protocols in. Um, but um yeah, but people are people are are independent, just just like they are in, in the states. Like they, I think it's the same thing you get everywhere. Where people are like, well, that eh, happens to other people, um, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm no expert, but that's 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 boots on the ground. That's how it's. Uh, it's similar to what I'm hearing. I, I live in, um, I guess, a city in Southern California. And uh, yeah, for my neighborhood, especially, I, I'm seeing a lot of the the general public's kind of idea uh, of, of what wearing a mask or no mask. That was a huge thing. Um, and the circle, how I equated it, has been getting smaller. Like it used to be friends of friends I heard of getting COVID. Now I, mm. it's like friends. And then now it's like basically our neighbor. <laughs> oh, like man. this past Thanksgiving alone, there were a case where, uh, you know, of course, family were gathering um, and ignoring that. And one of the grandpa died from from the gathering, like uh, my, my son's um, friend's grandpa. And that was the closest I've heard uh, within my circle. And then uh, just recently, we just heard about like a, my, my, my son's friend's father just got it. And he's, he's kind of oh going through it pretty bad. So it's like, 
it's real, you know, Thanksgiving was a big jumping off point for, for yeah. us over here. Um, everybody hung out, like everyone I knew, like hung out. We didn't, but everyone I knew hung out. And, um, it was, it's surprising to hear too. Like, I just assume everybody else is doing better <laughs> besides <laughs> China, us and India. Uh, I, I was just going by the charts. Um, but that, that, that is like an episode on its own, just getting used to the culture. I mean, was there a big oh transitional gosh, yeah. thing going? Like yeah, or how, how much of the language do you have to learn to kind of be able to function uh, there? Well, so at work um, and at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily uh, the, the office is a uh, like, you know, it's, it's Ubisoft, they're an international company. And so it's like English is the official like language that they conduct all business in at work. Um, yeah. So that's super convenient, but it also means I don't have to really practice my Swedish as much. Um, but, um, I mean, the Swedish people are like, they, like, they know English. They are, it is like learning English is compulsory. They started in, I think like third or fourth grade. They're um, all smarter than so us. Pretty yeah. much anybody you run into who's under 40 is going to like, is going to be able to speak English, whether they want to, or feel comfortable doing it is another story. Um, but, uh, when you, if you live in a larger city, then, um, you can absolutely get by with English because there's, you know, there's a lot more immigrants, like, especially here in the South. Um, and uh but as you get further and further out like when we take like you know we'll take the car and go on road trips out you know out a couple kilometers into the into the farmland here like yeah you run into into situations where they like where they just are flat out like i don't speak english and you're like okay like i'm gonna do my best now sorry about what i'm about to do to your language um but they're also generally generally pretty gracious about uh about being being patient um uh, the, uh, as for the culture specifically, um, they generally, of course, generally, um, are more reserved. Um, and, uh, they don't, um, you know, there's not like, not like a lot of like smiling in the streets. Like, again, like, like we're both, you and I are both from, from SoCal. So like, we know the, like, we know the vibe, like we know the, like, oh yeah. Like you'll like smile at people you don't know. You'll, you'll chat with the person who's ringing up your groceries at the grocery store. Like, it's just, yeah, you just, it's what you do. You just chill. Um, Whereas here it's, it's very, uh, it's very different in that, um, like you don't smile at people on the street. Like you sort of don't really acknowledge other people's presence. Um, Damn. I think the, the, <laughs> the way that, the way that it sort of makes sense to me is that like in, in America, you like, you will smile, you'll smile at somebody and you'll be like, you'll see a stranger and be like, Hey man, how's it going? But then like, when it comes to like their health, like healthcare and, and safety and things like that, you're like, eh, I don't really care that much about you. Yeah. But like in, in Sweden, they don't really care as much about you as a person, but they will like, but Take of course, like, yeah, I, I'm happy my taxes pay for your medical coverage. Like I, of course that people deserve that. So it's, it's very different that they, they are, um, they, they do have a more, um, uh, more firm view of their responsibility in society to, to others, to, to make sure that, um, that, uh, that, you know, people aren't generally falling through the cracks. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, it's not a, not generally not an affable kind of a kind of country. Um, you know, there are exceptions, of course, people are unique everywhere. Um, and, and like working in games is very, very different. Like my colleagues are all like super friendly and nice and they're, yeah. You guys are the outcasts of the society. Yeah. And they're younger too. Like that helps. Um, but like, um, I think half the studio is like from Sweden and the other half is from somewhere else, like, like the rest of the world combined. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I do meet a a fair number of Swedes. Um, but uh, I also, you know, I have opportunities to meet people that I, you know, from countries I 
never encountered people from before. Even even working in like the Bay Area was really uh, like a geographically diverse. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but there definitely is a lot of stuff you don't know, like things about like like I was thinking about this the other day. Like, what if I get into a car accident? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Like, oh. do I like I haven't? I know I have insurance. I'm not like I have a driver's license. Leave. I have insurance. I have that. <laughs> oh, okay. But like, do I like do I give them my number? Do I don't do I have a car? Like, how do we do all this? And so I'm like, I was driving home thinking I should figure this out before I crash into something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the hardest part is uh, those little things like that that you don't realize that you need to learn about living in a country, and it's the kind of things where like there are some things where like I'll ask like some people who are native Swedes, Swedes who've lived there all their life. And I'm like, Hey, how do I go set up a dentist appointment? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. My parents always did that for me. And like, it's just like, okay, well, I need to figure this out. (laughs) I'm the parent. I'm supposed to be responsible. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of like, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the first, honestly, the first, like, I guess I've been here a little over three years now. The first, uh, the first two years was just like scrambling to get my, like our feet under us. It was, uh, just the culture shock was, it was, it was real. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine. Well, the, 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 the funny thing is like, um, comparing the two countries and the pandemic of anything, uh, kind of showcase <laughs> how Americans don't care about it. <laughs> like we are really left on our own devices here. But what's yeah. funny is that, the, the I as the individual countries are the one that are like ranking really high in, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, COVID uh, symptoms and, and, and deaths. Right. And then the, mm-hmm. the, 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 we countries like China and other, all these other countries are, are actually doing a better job battling it. Yeah. Um, it's funny to kind of hear Sweden kind of thinks like the I, but has the, the healthcare thing down and a little bit more progressive about the we too, which I think is the best compromise there, especially. Um, the culture shock is something that I think a lot of developers and a lot of people in general fear when they are working at a different country. Uh, the one, you know, stereotype I always hear about Europeans, it could be just Italy or France where could be just Italy where they don't take work that seriously. Right. Some may mm. even call it as lazy. I mean, is that true over there as um, in general or is the work-life balance is kind of similar? No, the work-life balance is fantastic. Um, okay. like, uh, yeah, I've, I've never had anybody like be like, Oh, my grass figure light, you know, or, or whatever. Um, uh, like I remember, um, I was I, the first time I had to take my kid to a doctor's appointment here. Um, I, you know, I was like, I, I would, I, you know, I switched to American mode and like, I, I go, I go to my boss and I'm like, Hey, look, man, I'm really sorry. Like next week I'll need to take like a couple hours off to go take my kid to uh, <laughs> yeah. the doctor. Is that okay? Yeah. And he's like, and he looked at me like I had just like asked him for a blood transfusion or something. And I was like, he was like, yeah, go, go do it. It's fine. Like it's your kid. You got to take care of your kid. Right. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's not unusual. Um, yeah that that little thing yeah that little thing is really odd yeah we would have to get like permissions and time slips and doctor's note to prove that we were there yeah Yeah. it's it's like the the government will actually pay a portion of your like lost wages if you if you are staying home because you need to take care of a sick kid um wow like of course like your your job is protected like you know you can't you can't be fired because you get too you you know you're sick too often or whatever um it's it's like the um the safety nets are there and it's it's really incredible to um to see like if i like 
I, I do sometimes think about coming, coming back to the States. There's a couple of things that are stopping me, but the biggest one is probably like the socialized medicine. Like, honestly, like once you get a hit of that, like, oh man, like you can't do without, like when we first moved here, um, uh, my kid fell off the bed onto a, um, onto a hardwood floor. And like, yeah. we were worried he had, he had like busted his collarbone or something. And so we like, first off we had the conversation where we're like, what is a hospital called in Swedish? How do we go there? It's 10 o'clock at night. What do we do? Uh, we were able to text a friend that helped us out. And we, uh, you know, we got a taxi and took our son to the hospital and we get in there and, uh, and you know, they, they, we go to the intake thing and, and they're like, okay, well, um, like, do you have a, do you have a person number, which is basically like sort of the Swedish equivalent of a social security number. And we're like, no, we've been here for like three weeks. And they're like, okay, well, this is going to cost a lot of money. And we're like, whatever, like, is my son, like help him out. And so like, you know, they, they go to take him and, and they're like, they, uh, you know, she says, okay, like, you know, we, we can do a payment plan for this if you need to, you know, it's, it's not a problem. And I was like, okay, like, all right, you know, I'm, I, I'm braced for how many, you know, how many thousands of dollars is, is this going to be for, you know, an emergency room trip for a child at 10 PM at night. And, um, she brings it, we, we get the bill like a couple weeks later and it's for like something like 3000 Swedish crowns, which is about $300. And I like, and I just laughed like kills you. the uninsured yeah. rate. Yes. Yeah. 300 bucks. Dude, I am. Like, that hospital was like amazing. <laughs> like, my kid didn't want to leave. Pristine. They had toys out there for him. They gave yeah. him a present because it was so close to Christmas when he mm-hmm. when it happened. Like, I like yeah. It's, it was. Dude, I see your story. Crazy. I'll raise you another story about that because that was actually my purse preview. Uh, that similar experience preview of how mm-hmm. shitty we have it in the states. Like there is a cloud over a lot of people's eyes, and the funny thing is, yeah. the United States. Um, we're not forced to learn a second language. Um, we're very incubated to our circles. Not a lot of people travel really outside of the country once we're here. My first trip to Japan, uh, my wife's Japanese. So we were over there with our family. The last day before we were, uh, there, we were leaving that day. Actually, we were at like this, like kid amusement park. My kid, he still blames me, but he let go, right? I was swinging him. <laughs> he was, they always do that. They always he was five, and he let go at the height, and he just fell, and then he, he, he used his arm to brace, and there was like a pop, right? I was like, oh, oh shit. Um, so, it, it turned out to be a fracture, but we went to the hospital. Of course, we're like visiting, right? Had no idea, ready to pay for whatever. Luckily, the guy, the doctor there... Uh, got his degree in UCI Irvine. So he's American <laughs> spoke fluent English and Japanese. He was able to help us. It was a nice house hospital too. It was, you know, we were there for like several hours to get going and had no appointment. They saw us in a timely manner and we were just bracing for it. Same deal. They gave us a bill of two fifty. I was like, we're not even from here. Yeah. And we, yeah, like, dude, I've been, I've been to one, one trip to ER. I've always hated doctors because I feel like they're just Google searching while I'm in the waiting room. Like they're just, <laughs> I, I just see no practical. Like I, I respect pharmacists more because they actually, I feel like they're giving an exchange of goods <laughs> with some, <laughs> something here, right? Based on not just theory. Well, anyways, I've always had a bad experience. Like my throat, I forgot, was, it got inflamed right inside my throat. I couldn't swallow it. It felt like a, a pus. It was like a pus inside my throat. I was like, wow, this is getting worse. I tried to self-medicate. It wasn't getting better. Finally went to the ER. 
and I, 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 and it was full. I forget what it was like before a holiday or something. It was completely oh. full. And I just sent my family home. They waited for a couple of hours. I sent my family home. I was there for like nine hours in the oh, emergency wow. waiting room because my arm wasn't blown off. Right. I was less, lesser important. <laughs> Eventually I fell asleep and it, it just, the pus just popped itself. And it was self. <laughs> and by the time they called me in, I was sitting there. It's like, hey, I think it just healed. I can swallow now. I can eat now. And I'm sitting there on their slab, right, with the butcher paper, getting a diagnosis. And like, all right, we're going to give you some IV because so, you lost some nutrition. I was all right. It was like five, 10 minutes. Finally came home. The bills came later. And this is how American bills come. Right? It was like, $2,000 for an emergency vi- visit. It was like this or diagnosis. It's like, you guys didn't even do anything. It was just like out of pocket pay. I was like, I fucking hate hospitals. But it's very true. Like, it's those type of things like the healthcare where you realize how, you know, like you, you're like been a sheep your whole life, right? Your country, you're used yeah. to a certain culture. And I equate a lot to like being in the game industry. That's why I wanted to jump around to kind of see like, what is the truth? You know, I'm used yeah. to AAA. I'm used to this trajectory, but what are others industry? Are they doing things better And the mobile industry? is kind of like what you're saying. So every citizen that gets it, you get treated better and you don't have to like, they're not penny pinching you on when you need to leave and stuff like that. The mobile mm-hmm. industry and like tech industry has a lot of these benefits where it's like open-ended flexible hours freaking time off uh until you know you want to come back (laughs) basically like netflix (laughs) style right so i went i work at a mobile company it was the same deal it's very surprising to kind of see wow you get free lunch and dinner every day and they treat (laughs) you and the time is not stressful and stuff and i didn't know that it existed right yeah i was so and i was like i thought triple a was cream of the crop where, you know, every employee is, we have money rolling on same. Total opposite, man. It was just yeah. an old system. And yeah. there are some AAA that treats employees like that, but most don't have that kind of luxury that tech industry has. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, I'm, I'm kind of in that situation. I have never been, I never worked at other countries, uh, but my glimpses of travel, very small, you know, I have very little traveling experience kind of showed me how life is kind of more important <laughs> than the job uh, because it is a very working mentality in this country. Yeah. And I, I think um, trying to close things up, like the pandemic, if anything, is kind of giving people a glimpse of what's important yeah. outside of work. So like what I saw after the layoff and uh, me walking around in, in different parts of the industry, people are learning that really fast now. Uh, the past six months, uh, I'm sure you have friends in the Bay Area that have been moving out of it <laughs> and uh, are kind of betting on remote work being the thing going forward, um, which is I'm super happy. In in a little way, I'm like, you know, JD about it. <laughs> I went through this crazy path to learn this and you guys got this like free get out of jail card to kind of <laughs> work from home and everything. But I'm happy obviously for everyone because I think it is yeah. a lesson that most developers and, and everybody needs to learn to see is like, there's so much more out there that we haven't been given the opportunities for. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're over there and seeing that dude that yeah, socialized medicine is huge. Um, it sounds like you're, if you come back to North America, you'd be a Canadian because it sounds a lot like we, what their deal is. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, in 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 your path and 
you know, I'll make it less about me. You know, I'm sure you remember V, the animator, right? Like we we went to college together. I don't know if you know that about us. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've been friends since college. I actually got a, hooked him up the job at 2K. <laughs> I've always looked at his life trajectory as like, oh, that's what I would have looked like if I didn't have kids and a wife. And I was free to roam to whatever jobs I want because he traveled everywhere. He was in New mm-hmm. Zealand at one point. He was in Europe like just going for the best jobs, right? Yeah. Uh, he did that for 10 years. And I was always super jealous of that uh, because that adventurous part of me, I've, I've always looked at that and admired that of, of flexibility uh, being huge. So so I'm a little jealous that you're over there <laughs> enjoying that part. You've been there for three years. Um, I think you're just so much better of a, uh, of a person just because of that growth that not a lot of people get a glimpse of. But yeah, um, it, is, it changes your view. Like when you see how other countries like really see you and like, yeah, it, it, it makes you sort of understand the importance of sort of the, the of like America's role. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because people sort of simultaneously, like they, they love the sort of products and culture that we create, but like, yeah, they're, they're a little, little weirded out by us. <laughs> I, I totally understand, man. Like I have to catch myself sometimes when, you know, my kids pestering me and I'm looking at them with annoyance. Right. But, I, I, you know, because of the pandemic, I'm looking at them and I was like, you know, this is what life is about. You know, you're supposed to be hanging out, like not staring at a screen most hours of the day. You're supposed to be spending time with family and people around you as much as you can. Right. If anything, people are missing people now. Um, yeah. It's weird, man. I I mean, it sounds like you guys are, are figuring things out over there as well and, and settling and, um, I'm looking forward to, to kind of hear more about you and, and everything. Uh, this is actually, you know, we went through an hour already. I want to thank you for the time. This is actually the part where I want to hand over the mic to you to kind of give a shout out to help people out there. You know, you, you're talking about programming. Um, I feel like every artist, not just designer, needs to little, uh, lean more towards technical now for job security. I feel like a lot of those artists are, are a lot more valuable nowadays so being the the ultimate technical guy now at the programming <laughs> level uh i would love to kind of hear your thoughts about you know how how helpful it could be for everybody to kind of learn a little yeah i mean i'm i'm a firm believer that everyone should know a little about everything um uh like as even as a programmer like i i don't have much of an interest in specializing like i enjoy sort of the generalization because i love I love solving the problems that come up and just, you know, being like, Oh, what do I get to learn about now? Um, you know, like, yeah, you have, I, Oh, I read about this data structure that I could use to solve this problem. Okay, great. Like I'll use that and, and like sort of bumble my way through it and, and figure it out. But um, I mean, tech is a part of our lives and the more we know how to control it, the less it can control us. Um, and I feel like people, if you don't know enough about how technology works, then um, you like it becomes this sort of magical black box um and you sort of lose this this sort of uh criticality almost where like you it becomes this infallible thing that's just like oh it's just this thing that does stuff and it's like no no like every piece in there every piece in your computer like every piece in your phone like has an important role and somebody made that and somebody wrote the code for it and somebody wrote the firmware for it and like you know somebody designed the graphics for it like all these things sort of like they come together in these really fascinating ways. Um, and, uh, you mentioned plugging something. So I'm going to plug my YouTube series that I started a little while ago. Um, it's called hello world. Uh, I would mention a URL, but I only have like 50 subscribers, so I don't get a URL yet. Um, but if you, if you go to my Twitter account, then you can, 
you can get a link to it. Um, but it's, it's a series that is basically all about like what makes, uh, like it basically explains computers and things like that for the miracle they are. So there's like the idea is that there's an episode, uh, there's only not like three episodes so far, but each one is, uh, is about like going from sort of conceptually going from like bare metal to like how you interface with this. So it's like, what is a program? Okay, let's start off by doing here's here's what binary is, here's a file header, here's how that translates into instructions, like all that kind of stuff. And it sounds really deep and heady, but if you just want to get like a surface level glimpse of of how these things work to appreciate it, um, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm going for. Like programmers are probably not going to learn anything from it, um, but anybody who has an interest in uh, in appreciating technology and how things work um, will uh, I think will will enjoy it. Um, because yeah, like you said, I think we all do need to learn about the technology we're using. Um, cause it, it just benefits us, um, in, in ways like just knowing how to, how to do things more efficiently or more effectively. Like even if you know how to use a, a given program, like mess around with that program and sort of find the, find where the edges and the boundaries of that program are, because you will learn how to do things better and faster and quicker. Um, uh, if you kind of like poke at those edges and just give yourself time to, to mess around without a real, without a real goal. Awesome, man. I definitely going to point people towards your, your channel and, um, any way to kind of make programming more approachable. I'm in full support of like, even with my 10 year old, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm starting to get him to unity and stuff. And of course he's drawn to the character art and all that because he's playing (laughs) Fortnite and he's like customizing his character. It's like, no, not don't learn that. (laughs) <laughs> you got to learn programming because that's where the money's at and that's where the future is going. And uh, I, I keep putting out warning signals for artists out there that they need to start seriously considering at the very least being a technical artist uh, because yeah. the tools are getting easier and better. Uh, the make art button is coming and it's the people, especially if you're in the Western countries like United States, you you have to be a leg up from oversee competition like China and stuff. People that we used to outsource to are, are actually caught up yeah. in terms of art production <laughs> and everything. So awesome, man. Well, thank you again. It was nice uh, chatting with you. Yeah, uh, all the links and descriptions will be in this episode and everything, but uh, how do you say bye in Sweden? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's an easy one. Okay. Hey, do. Hey, do. Hey, do. Sounds like hello, man. That's tricky, dude. (laughs) All right, man. Have a good one. All right. You too, man. See you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. 
email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody